Has your life turned out just like you thought it would? <laughs> Mine hasn't. Uh, yours, yours probably hasn't either. Uh, there are a lot of twists and turns in life. And there, there's, there's a kind of wildness uh, about life. At least that's what it seems like to me. There's sort, of, uh, sort of an unpredictability about life. Um, th- things that we were just so sure could not happen to us sometimes do happen to us. Uh, there's unexpected hard things. And sometimes there's unexpected good things, unexpected incredible blessings, all kinds of things that are that are just so different from what we thought would happen to us, things that we couldn't anticipate or prepare prepare for. Uh, one of one of my favorite verses out of uh, the book of Jeremiah is where Jeremiah said, "Now it's kind of like I've." finally figured this out. He said, now I know, O Lord, that a man's way is not in himself, nor is it in a man who walks to direct his steps. I've always found that a very profound thought. Um, That means that to control our future, to control your future, my future, to understand our future, um, to control the outcomes of life, to figure out all that happens to us. Jeremiah says, I finally figured it out, O Lord, that's beyond me. That's outside of me. We are promised, and Jeremiah knew, we were promised, God will direct our steps. And God says to you, I will direct your steps. But we don't know where those steps will lead. And so we live in this kind of uncertainty um, about life. Now, as followers of Christ in particular, uh, once when we, when we come to Christ and, and we, we put our trust in him, we believe in him, uh, we know that part of following Christ just means surrendering ourselves to what he wants for us. And yet, it seems that even in doing that, most of us still have a, a picture in our mind of, of what that's going to look like. Uh, we still have a certain expectation of what, what we think life is going to be. What we will do, where we will be, and who we will be with. Uh, but so often, circumstances... Uh, other people, and even the direct intervention of the Holy Spirit shake up those expectations. And this, this wildness about life or this unpredictable nature of life is why we're told in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. So when everything goes crazy or seems to go crazy or falls apart or seems to fall apart or just gets confusing or just goes different than you thought, maybe way different than you thought, you trust. You trust in the Lord with 
all of your heart, completely. You, you, you don't rely on your understanding because you, you can't, you aren't supposed to be able to figure it all out. And you just do go ahead and you do what God shows you to, to do, given the new circumstances, given perhaps the new place or with the new people or without certain people you thought would be with you. And you do that knowing that God has his hand on all these things for good. You do that, you trust and you rest, you rely on God, not your own understanding, you rely completely on him through all the bumps and the bruises and the unexpected changes, knowing that God's good purposes for your life and his glory will be fulfilled. Now, as I read this story and the, the next the passage here that I was going to talk on, I, I was just so deeply impressed about this kind of unpredictable uh, nature of, of life. And, and when Paul started, you know, we read about his first missionary journey. Now he's getting ready to go on what's called a second missionary journey. It actually started out more as just a trip to go back and strengthen the churches. But it's like, Everything changes. Everything changes all of a sudden. And even while he's on this journey, the, the original purpose for which he went out gets changed. The Holy Spirit changes what he does, where he goes, what he ends, in, who he ends up with. I mean, it's just, it's just sort of all different than what the original plan was. So I want to talk about that and draw some, some lessons for us. Well, like I said, as Paul planned this second missionary trip, uh, things happened that I don't think Paul ever thought would happen. Paul never thought that he and Barnabas would have a serious conflict and part ways. Uh, Paul assumed that uh, his dear friend and fellow worker Barnabas would go with him on this second journey just like he did on the first. But that didn't happen. Instead, he and Barnabas had a sharp disagreement and they split up and parted ways. Uh, Paul and Barnabas, had, they had they've been through a lot together. I mean, if you, if you were paying attention to our teaching here in the, through the first missionary journey, uh, they, had, they had gone through an incredible amount of stuff together. They had traveled together. Travel wasn't easy in those days. They had suffered together. They'd seen incredible miracles together. They'd seen people saved from their work together. And verse 35 and 36 of of chapter 15, uh, which is not in your bulletin, it's just before that, but it says, when they came back from that first missionary journey, they remained in, in Antioch, and together they continued to teach and proclaim the word of the Lord, as did many others. But when we take up our story... God was moving, or our passage, God was moving in Paul's heart to go out again. God God put it in Paul's heart to go out again and see how the believers were doing in these new churches. You know, Paul Paul had the heart of a pastor. And I don't think the heart of a pastor is just for a pastor or an elder. The heart of a pastor really is something to be developed in some measure in all of us. All of us can have of a shepherd's heart, a pastoral heart and love 
uh, for people. Well, Paul had the heart of a, of a mother and father for these new believers. And that's really one of the best ways I can think of describing a pastoral heart. But Paul, Paul saw himself as a mother and father to these new believers. And that's, that's the kind of love that he had. And he described that love for the Christians at Thessal, Thessalonica, saying, uh, we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. That's, that's, that's the kind of love and heart that Paul had. And he also told the Thessalonians, and you know that we treated each of you as a father treats his own children. And it's with, it's with that kind of pastoral heart, that kind of love for people that, that motivated Paul to want to go back out and see how these people were doing and to continue to strengthen them and encourage them and continue to bring them along. So, so with that sort of thinking, Paul told Barnabas, let's go back, Barnabas, and visit the brothers in every town where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. And so Paul had every expectation that, that Barnabas would say, yes, let's go, Paul. And they would go out ju- together just like they did last time to strengthen and encourage the believers in all the churches. But then we come to verse 37. Paul wanted, or Barnabas wanted to take along John, who was called Mark, But Paul did not think it was right to take along the man who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And I actually think the New King James Version, which I don't quote very often, I think it's a great translation, but I actually think the New King James Version captures this best. Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark, but Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them. And the two words that I, li- that I think communicate very well is are determined and insisted. Barman- Barnabas was determined and Paul insisted. Uh, well, that's usually not a recipe for things working out <laughs> too well. Well, so what is going on here? And I think, I think, I think this story actually maybe kind of uh, shakes some people up a little bit because here's two really godly men and they, they, have, they have a disagreement. They have a, a sharp disagreement. Well, I think you need to know the background of the story. Some, some of you do. Uh, I want to go back and explain it. Uh, Paul and Barnabas were not the only ones on their first missionary journey. Acts 13.5 says, John went with them to help. And... John was also called Mark, it says. And I actually might refer to him as John Mark, just so you know that I'm, who I'm referring to. And on that first missionary journey, John Mark was not along just to go, get to go do something exciting, you know, travel with Barnabas and, and Paul. Uh, the journey was very tough and demanding, The Jews opposed them everywhere they went. Their lives were in danger. They needed help. They needed someone to help them. He wasn't along just for the ride. He had had a real purpose in helping them. And yet, a short time into their journey, it says that John, Mark, 
turned around and went back home. He was not with them when they were kicked out of those towns that we read about. He wasn't with them when Paul was stoned. He wasn't with them as they labored to preach Jesus in these various towns and cities. Uh, We're not told why he went back home, uh, but whatever the reason, Paul did not think it was a good one. In fact, Paul viewed it as desertion. He saw it as a serious act of unfaithfulness uh, to the work of the Lord and and to him and Barnabas. So, so we come back now to our story in chap at the end of fifteen. Paul felt strongly that they should not take Mark on this trip, and Barnabas felt strongly that they should. Now, I think. Luke doesn't give us a lot of cl- a lot of extra clues as exactly what was going on, but as I see it, I think both of them had their focus on different things. I think Paul had his eyes on the mission that Christ had called him to, and he didn't want that mission compromised by someone who might desert them again. And also, I I think Paul knew that their last journey was rough and dangerous and. They barely made it home alive. And the, the demanding nature of these missionary journeys required that they have workers with them who had an unwavering commitment, which at this point, uh, John Mark did not demonstrate. Well, so what's the deal? Should, should Paul have just uh, let Barnabas have his way? I mean, should, should he have just said, okay, Barnabas, that's not how I see it, but let's go do it, do it your way. Maybe. I don't know. Um, it's hard, it's, it's hard, to, hard to say. I have my opinions, and I'm going to share them in a little bit. But I think Barnabas probably had his eyes more on John Mark as an individual and on, on Mark's feelings and his future. And he, he saw... John Mark's potential, and he wanted to give him a second chance. And if that's the way Barnabas was looking at it, that's a good thing. That's a good thing about about Barnabas. He he had compassion, and and he was ready to forgive and give John Mark a second chance. Well, Paul may also have wanted to give John Mark a second chance, but he just didn't think this was the time to give John Mark a second chance. He did, Paul did uh, give him a second chance very much so later on down the road. And I don't, not wanting to take Mark didn't mean that Paul didn't love him and it didn't mean that he didn't forgive him. He just didn't think he was ready for this task at this time. So you could very easily argue that both of them could give good reasons for their viewpoint. And they must have had quite an argument. Verse 39 says, The disagreement was so sharp that they parted ways. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, while Paul chose Silas and left after the brothers had entrusted him to the grace of the Lord. In my opinion, and some of of this is speculation because we're not given a lot more information, but no matter how you look at it, no matter how I look at it, this seems 
sad. Barnabas had stood up for Paul when all the other Christians didn't want anything to do with him. They were all afraid of him. Barnabas testified, you can trust this guy. He's a good man. He stuck, he stuck his neck out for Paul. They'd been through so much together in the work of Christ. And Barnabas, remember, Barnabas had been specifically named or called out by the Holy Spirit to serve with Paul on that first missionary journey. Remember, the Holy Spirit said, set apart Paul and Barnabas for the work to which I have called them. They they had been called out together by the Holy Spirit to do this. And Paul, um, or excuse me, Barnabas could have continued to serve with this you know, remarkable and unique servant apostle of Jesus Christ with Paul, but that didn't happen. So uh, this second missionary journey uh, seems to get off to a very rough start uh, with a complete shakeup of Paul's fellow workers. I mean, all the people that went on the first journey with Paul, none of them went with him on the second journey. It's a whole, it's a whole new new team. So what are, what are some things that we're to learn from this? Well, first of all, I want, I want to say this. People like John Mark who are called to help really are important. Okay? And if that is your role, if, if you are a person, maybe you're not a, a Paul, <clears throat> maybe you're not an Apostle Paul, maybe you're not a Barnabas, but you're a person who can go along and help people like that do their ministry. And if that's what what role you're called to in the body of Christ, you really are important. And if that is your role, be faithful in that role. Uh, we've got we've got a lot of people like that here at Real Life Church. A lot of people just doing such an incredible amount to help and to serve me and Josh and and the church as a whole. Well. Some time ago, and it's probably been a few years ago by now, the way time passes, but I just felt so motivated uh, by how much I appreciated Tom Azina to write him a, a note. And so I wrote him, well, it wasn't a big deal, but I just wrote him a thank you note. And I did the best I could to tell him how much I deeply appreciated him for just all the service he does to me and to the, to the church family. Well, I remember that, Julie uh, just mentioned to me that yeah Tom got that got that note and appreciated it and and um, I told Julie you know what I should write a note like that to Tom every week I mean I really felt that way I just felt like I, I you know I can't thank him enough I probably should write a note like that every week to him and those of you who help others carry out their ministry really are important, really are necessary. John Mark was needed on this trip. That why, why it was such, that's why it was such a problem that he deserted and went home. You are needed. Don't give up. It would cause a great setback for the work of the Lord if you were not there. Second, spiritual failure in any of our lives, and we've all failed in some measure at some time, 
Spiritual failure or unfaithfulness in any of our lives does not mean God is through with us. God does not wad us up and throw us away. He fixes us. He, re- he redeems us. He corrects us. He puts us back into use. And Mark went on to write the gospel of Mark. I mean, here's an amazing thing. You know, the Bible doesn't hide, it, never, it doesn't cover up anybody's flaws, you know, like we do, okay? The Bible just, you know, here's John Mark. He does something really bad. He deserts Paul and Barnabas. It just puts it right there in the pages of Scripture. And yet God doesn't, doesn't, uh, doesn't leave a person in that situation. He doesn't leave us in our failure. He redeems. He calls us back. He brings us back into a place of usefulness, just like he did with Mark. He wrote the Gospel of Mark. Later on in life, Paul uh, publicly recognized Mark's faithfulness and his great value to him in the work of the Lord. And he, he told Timothy, get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. And so here's Mark had a real blunder but he finished strong. And every one of us can do the same. We can come through our blunders, our failures, our unfaithfulness, our, our periods where we stumble and fall down, and we get back up and, and go on, and God, God has great things ahead for us. And so very much related to that application is that if, if you have in some way pulled back from God or pulled away from God or from or from the work that he's called you to. Just go back and be faithful to the Lord. Begin today to be faithful to what you know the Lord is calling you to. Um, Stop looking back at your failure. Stop talking about your failure. Stop dwelling on the shame of your failure. And press on to what God has has for you for the rest of your life. Fourth, and this is an application. I'm, I'll admit I'm going to draw this more from, from my, my, my opinion. I think I'm right, but I'm not, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have a real sharp disagreement with you. if you, if you I wouldn't part ways with you if, if you disagree with me. It is, it is most often better to subject yourself to another in order to keep unity than to insist on your own way. I personally think Barnabas should have deferred to the Lord's apostle, Paul. Unity is precious. Close relationships are to be highly valued. And we often have to die to our own will in order to keep unity and to keep, and keep going down the road together. And it's great to have a viewpoint, uh, but a viewpoint that makes you unwilling to submit to others is, is always a, a recipe for division. And I, I just personally think that with, with the authority that Paul had to, to be the Lord's apostle and how he, how he was appointed, and the fact that the Holy Spirit specifically called out Barnabas to go with him on that first journey, I, th- I think Barnabas should have deferred to Paul and kept kept the unity. But but the thing that we need to learn from that is just, you know, the Bible says right after it says being filled with the Holy Spirit, but, you know, don't, don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
you know what it says right after that? I mean, after it talks about singing and speaking uh, to one another and giving thanks and making melody in your heart. But it also says, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Yeah, so yeah, it's a tough one. And so, <laughs> and so but that's ha- that happens to spirit-filled people. That human tendency to, to insist on our own way, on our own viewpoint, that gets worked on by the Holy Spirit. And we eventually come to the place where, where we can be subject to one another and therefore keep the unity of the Spirit. Well, whether this, whether this split up was from Paul or Barnabas stubbor- stubbornly existing on their own positions, whether it was just different ways of seeing things, somehow in, in their own humanity, they were not able to reach agreement. And I want to be careful how I, how I say this, but I, I think the, the next thing that I'm going to say here is really important. I am in no way condoning this breakup. But the reality is, in our humanity and in our brokenness and in our condition of not having already obtained perfection, like Paul, Paul said, not that we've already obtained it yet, there are sometimes irreconcilable differences and relationships end or change, regardless of how badly we want them to continue. I think we, I think we'd ha- have to say that's true, right? Um, I'm not saying it's right. I'm not condoning it. But I'm just saying, in this fallen world, it it happens. Every one of us have experienced either the, the end of a relationship or a change in a relationship that we didn't want. Maybe a relationship that was very precious to us. To us, and to me, uh, this is one of the most painful consequences of living in this world. You know, I love the security of stable relationships. You know, I just do, and I really look forward to the day in the new heaven and the new earth where there will never be any relationship changes, <laughs> where there will never be any relationship that ends. For any reason, there will never be any relationship that falls apart or goes sour. There will be no conflict or division or differing convictions or or fights or whatever over anything. Thank God. Now, we're exhorted now, right now in this life, we're exhorted to pursue the unity of the Spirit. And to do everything we can to keep this bond of peace and agreement, to be of the same mind. I mean, there's lots of different verses. I'm not quoting just one verse, but there's just lots of dif- different exhortations to, for us to be, to, to keep this unity and agreement in the Spirit and be of the same mind. And I think we can, I think we can experience that now in a remarkable way. I, re- I really do. I mean, I think if we give ourselves to the Holy Spirit, if... The, the more that all of us, I'm not talking about just our church, but in all relationships, if, if we give ourselves totally over to the Holy Spirit and, and earnestly pursue peace and the things that make per, for peace and the unity of the Spirit, I think we can experience that in a, in a remarkable way. But still, 
this is not heaven. And the reality, as I said, is that precious relationships uh, sometimes don't last. And we have to deal with those changes in life and go on serving Christ with enthusiasm and joy despite these shakeups in life. And we do that because God is still good. God is still with us. His loving kindness, which Josh just shared, is better than life itself. That doesn't change. That's still with us. And we do it because, because of that and because God is still working good in all things. And maybe the most important lesson for us to see is how how God used even this parting of ways uh, to expand the work of his kingdom. And God brought good out of this. And God does that with all the changes that happen in your life too. I don't care what kind of changes you're dealing with. God promises, he commits himself, that he will work all of those changes in life, your life for good too. And... I'm going to come back to this more at the end of the message uh, because I think it's really important, but I want to kind of move on to some, some other things here. Well, as I explained, this whole issue uh, between Barnabas and Paul erupted because Paul felt Mark had deserted him on this first journey. But I find it so interesting that the very next event. The very next thing that Luke records about the second missionary journey is that Paul met a new young man who would become his helper and faithful assistant for the rest of his life. His name was Timothy. So here, Paul just got, had kind of gone through all this shake-up in relationship, and he meets Timothy. And Timothy comes alongside Paul, and he's like faithful like a rock. He stands by Paul throughout the rest of his whole Life. Paul found him, it says, at Lystra and Derby. Uh, he was highly regarded by the believers in that area. Paul wanted Timothy to go with him. Timothy went with him. And in, so, in a sense, he took the place of, of John Mark on the second missionary journey. And as I said, he was faithful to Paul to the very end. And this, this, new, this newly found relationship with Timothy was a major event in Paul's life that he could not have anticipated. Yet it proved to be one of the greatest blessings of Paul's life. And it, and it came right on the heels of what I think was a low point for Paul and a time of, of major disappointment. Timothy became Paul's right-hand man. Uh, he was with him when Paul wrote Romans and Second Corinthians and the letter to the Thessalonians. He was with him when he wrote Philippians and Colossians and Philemon. Uh, Paul sent Timothy on many different important missions uh, where Paul himself could not go. Philippians 2.22, he tells the Philippians, but you know how Timothy proved himself. Like a son with his father, he has served me in the preaching of the gospel. And then listen to some things that Paul said about Timothy later in his life. But I trust in the Lord to send Timothy to you shortly that I also may be encouraged when I learn how you are doing, for I have no one else like him. What a statement that Paul said about Timothy. I have no one else like this guy. 
who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. And then also later in life, he commended Timothy in a, in a letter to him. He said, you, you, Timothy, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra. So he said, Timothy, you stood with me in my trials. And that, that's a true friend. And Paul, Paul found a, a really faithful helper, worker, and friend in Timothy. So just when it looked like some things had fallen apart in Paul's relationship and lost a faithful helper in Barnabas, God, of course, gave him Silas, but then God brought Timothy into his life who was more devoted than he could have ever imagined. And here's what I, I, I think... Here's what I think that the Spirit wants to say to you about that this morning. God always has someone else to come alongside you when you feel deserted. You know, when you feel that, that someone's left you, uh, when you experience a change in relationship that just kind of leaves you reeling, where it just kind of leaves you shaken or lonely, God always has someone else to bring into your life, a faithful man, a faithful woman, someone to be an encouragement to you, to stand with you. We were, I was talking about this with Cindy. Actually, I, think I probably should credit Cindy for this point. We were talking about this passage in the car and, I just I was just describing this and think, thinking about lessons to learn from, and I, th- I think that's almost word for word what Cindy said. There's always a, a, she, there's always another faithful man in the wings, and God knows how to bring people into your life that you need at this moment. I don't, I don't know what you're going through right now, um, but God knows how to bring people in, into your life that you need right now, just like He did with Timothy. So. Paul and Silas and Timothy uh, continue on heading toward uh, Asia to preach the gospel. But the Holy Spirit completely changes their plans. Uh, And I actually thought about titling this message, uh, Changes in People, Changes in Plans. How much like our life is like that? That's just, life has a lot of that. And in fact, on, twice now, twice on this second journey, the Holy Spirit uh, prevented or stopped him from preaching, preaching the gospel in places that he planned to go. Uh, it says that Paul was on his way to Asia, which is uh, now uh, Western, what we would know as Western Turkey, uh, which would likely have taken him to uh, Ephesus, which is right on the very edge of Western Turkey. Um, Paul had his plans. They were good plans. They were spiritual plans. He was on his way with Silas. And the Holy Spirit suddenly said, no. The Holy Spirit stopped him, prevented him. And Paul's first reaction might have been, what do you mean, no? (laughs) We're going to preach the gospel to these people. But the Holy Spirit said, no. And he meant it. Somehow it was communicated clearly. We don't know how, but it was communicated clearly to Paul. 
And Paul yielded to the Spirit's restraint. So he and his group of men, they headed north to another Roman province called Bith- Bithynia. And that was at the very northern edge of modern Turkey on the border of the Black Sea. They got to the border of Bithynia, uh, got ready to go into that region, and guess what? Verse 7 says they went as far as Mysia and tried to, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. The Holy Spirit said no again. And so they bypassed Mysia and went down to Troas. So they went on to Troas, still not knowing where the Spirit was sending them. Uh, Luke doesn't tell us what was going on in Paul's feelings, but I just want to ask you, how do you feel when you have got some really set plans to go someplace or do something and you just run into a roadblock? Just, you just run into a dead end. Uh, you feel frustrated, at least I do, and if it happens twice, you might feel really frustrated. Or maybe even confused, like just, you know, what's, what's going on? I, I think I'm doing the right thing, heading the right direction. And all of a sudden, either circumstances or God or somebody just puts a roadblock up and says, no, you can't do that. And then you turn around, go another direction, think, okay, we'll go do this. You get all pumped up, fired up about that. You head there, and all of a sudden, circumstances, people, or the Holy Spirit just say, no, you can't do that either. And that's kind of the situation that Paul was, Paul was in. And at this point, um, after they've been told no twice and they head toward Troas, uh, they had to feel some de- degree of uncertainty or they, or they felt like they were, um, as the expression goes, they felt like they were in limbo. Uh, what are we supposed to do? Where are we supposed to go? Now, God is going to give them direction, okay? God's going to give Paul direction very, very soon here. But they don't have that direction yet. Have you ever been there where there's, <laughs> you've got a roadblock in front of you? You, you? you know you can't do what you were planning to do, and you, but you don't know yet what you're supposed to do? You know what that's called? Waiting on God. Okay? It's one of the hardest things for us to handle. One of the hardest spiritual lessons for us to learn is to wait on God. Psalm 40, verse 1, uh, David said, I waited patiently upon the Lord. We have one of my favorite all-time songs we've ever sung at Real Life Church is taken from that passage. I waited patiently upon the Lord. And that that is part, uh, that's part of our walking with the Lord. It's It's just a part of the journey. I mean, sometimes we need to be bold and aggressive and go do the next thing or say the next thing and step out on the water and you know, launch out in faith. I mean, there, there's all kinds of seasons and, and aspects of our spiritual life. But, but one very important part of our, of our Christian life, we just, we just have to wait 
wait upon the Lord and wait for his, his voice. You know, I don't think Paul ever knew why the Holy Spirit said no. Um, Luke doesn't give us a reason, but the reality is that, is that sometimes we're stopped from doing something that we think is a really great idea or even a really great spiritual idea. And we just, we have to be prepared for changes in life. We have to be prepared. Our walking with God, we have to be prepared to wait on God. We have to be prepared to be redirected by the Holy Spirit. But then, just after it seemed like uh, all the Holy Spirit was saying, no, don't go there, verse 9 says, During the night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia was standing there and pleading with him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And Paul said, as soon as we had seen the vision, we immediately looked for a way to go to Macedonia because we were convinced that God had called us to tell the people there the good news or the gospel. So the Holy Spirit revealed his leading now to Paul in the night, during the night, through a vision, um, through a, a Macedonian man crying out for help, saying, come over and help us. And that Paul, Paul was convinced that that was the Spirit's leading. That was what he had been told no. This was the yes. And that's how God works in our life. There's, if there, where there's a shut door, there's always an open one. Where there's a no, there's always a yes. But you just never know how that yes is going to come to you. You never know how it's going to be communicated. Uh, you never know how the leading of the Spirit may come to you. You, ju- you just can't make any laws about it. Uh, it. It might come through a very clear impression in your spirit. It might come through a verse of Scripture. God speaks to you. Uh, it might through, come through a, a prophetic declaration or utterance. Um, but it might come through a cry for help from someone. It might be that you see God leading you through someone saying, come over and help me. And you, and you become convinced that that's God's leading. So Macedonia was a long way off. I mean, if you look at it on a map, especially in those days, the way travel was, this, this was a major change in plans. They went across the, uh, it was way off across the Aegean Sea and what is uh, modern day uh, Greece, and so Paul was sent much further west to Philippi, to Corinth, to Athens, perhaps further than he ever would have gone on his own on this trip. But again, he was following the Holy Spirit. That was the God's plan, and he directed him through his spirit. And you remember how this whole, the whole missionary journey thing started off by the voice of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me, Paul and Barnabas. And the Holy Spirit directed them along the way. And he does the same for us. We make plans, and that's okay. And we have goals, and that's good. We have ideas or a vision for the future, and that's wonderful. But we do not follow a plan or a goal or a personal vision we follow the Holy Spirit. 
And we should realize the Holy Spirit can redirect us. He could call us to any city, to any work, to any people, to any new direction for our lives. He could also say no to our plans of going somewhere or doing something. The Holy Spirit might ask you to just stay faithfully where you are doing the same thing you're doing right now over a long period of time. And we, 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 just, we just are His. We're His for whatever and however He wants to use us. Well, in all of these uh, changes of plans, uh, in the disappointments, the disagreements, the changes in relationship, God was still working in all this for the good and for the advancement of the gospel. And I find it interesting that Luke does not spend any time, you know, condemning Paul and Barnabas for this for this breakup. He he doesn't place blame on Paul or Barnabas. And here's why: it's because this is a story of God at work. It is not a story about perfect human beings who do everything just right or who are even always in agreement. This is God's story. This is his work. He is getting the work done. He is sending out people. He is powerfully, by the work of the Spirit, causing this message about Jesus to spread over this known world. So instead here, we see God accomplishing his plans in spite of human weakness and errors in judgment. And now instead of one missionary journey, there are two. Barnabas and Mark go to Cyprus, uh, where tradition says that they started a great work which spread from Cyprus into northern Africa. We're not told that in the Bible, but there's Christian tradition that says that but great things happen from Barnabas and Mark's trip. And of course, Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke, they went on to preach the message about Jesus in Europe. People were saved. Philippi and Corinth and Thessalonica, churches were started. The, the word of God is spreading. So, here's what I think we should take away from this. Relationships sometimes end or change in this life. Sometimes your plans end or change drastically. But as I said, so when everything goes crazy or seems crazy or falls apart or feels like it's falling apart or gets confusing or just goes different than you thought, you trust and you go on. You do what God shows you to do given the new set of circumstances or the new place or the new people or without certain people that you thought you'd be with, you trust, you obey, you rest in God. You rest in complete confidence that God is leading you. And you entrust yourself, your future, your family, your ministry, everything about your life to God. We, we abandon ourselves. I mean, this call to be believers, to, to follow Jesus, is, it's a complete abandonment of ourselves into his service with no strings attached. We choose to follow Christ without any conditions, and we follow whatever happens, wherever he leads, whoever he puts us with. We place all of our security in him, and we go on. And knowing that even through our, the flaws, through the imperfections, knowing he always works 
for the good in all things. And we will see that if we just wait and trust. Let's pray.